Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. You know, we've been talking all this fall, um, if you're new here, maybe you don't know, we've been talking about the stones of our faith, the, the things that are included in our family altar, the things that are important, the things that if we wanted people to know something about Christ, we wanted people to know something about God, we wanted people to know something about Christianity, we wanted our children to know what are the key things, that it wouldn't be about, you know, religion, it wouldn't be about the you know, the stuff that this church believes and that church believes and some people have a theory about this. We wouldn't make it about the debates. We would make it about the core stones of our faith. And um, the realistic fact is, if we don't get today's message, none of the rest of them matter. Love is the peace. It's the core, it's the, it's the thing that everything else is hinged on. It's the reason that Christianity makes sense. It's the reason that we can grab onto something by faith because we feel it more than we know it. We, we sense it more than we can say it. And you know, Wayne and I were talking and I said, I feel like so inadequate to be able to express the inexpressible. Because the love of God is inexpressible. It's, it's impossible to describe the nature of the love of God. It's impossible to put it into words. And so, you know, this video gives us a picture, this idea of like, we know how much we love our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews. Could we fathom of laying them on the altar to pay for somebody who may never care? Can we fathom that measure of love? Or the fact that God would do something for you and I, it, 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 there just aren't words to comprehend it. If you've been around church circles at all, you are familiar with the standard verse, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. First John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. And, and when I put myself, and this is what we say, for God so loved you. So God so loved Bob. God so loved Janice. God so loved Betty. God so loved whoever. He put your name in there that he gave his only begotten son. That he did the unthinkable and offered something that doesn't, it, there's no guarantee in it. And when I think about it, when I sit and ponder it, and we all really should, you know, maybe you've been saved 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Christmas time, it's worth pausing to feel it. Because there's something I know about myself. I am not lovable. Sometimes I'm not even that likable. But I guarantee you I wouldn't have done what the Father did for me. I guarantee I wouldn't look at my life and say absolutely that's worth the sacrifice. I'm not that lovable. And as awesome as all of you are, neither are you. It's the truth. 
We, we have this understanding that sometimes people are good enough, that they're worthy enough, that God would love them, that they're, they're more lovable. The fact is none of us really are. Not when you measure it against God's standard. So the concept of Christmas, the concept of God so loved you that he sent his only begotten son. This is what I mean when I say it's unfathomable. It's, there's not words to describe it. And so I'm just going to pray over us today that we have an experience with it, that it's revealed to our hearts because we have to receive it on a different level. We can't think it. We have to know it. And so God, today, as we step into this topic, as we spend a little time celebrating your love, Lord, we know, we know that it's the core of everything. And so God, today, we pray that you would move upon our hearts to receive a fresh revelation of that kind of love, that you'd show us how to walk in it. You'd show us how to receive it. You'd show us how to live out of it. God, that this sacrifice that you made would not be in vain, but love would be seen upon us. Love would be seen in us. Love would be seen coming out of us. Love would be the center of who we are because it's who you are. Lord, today we ask for a next level revelation of your love, and we determine to receive it by faith today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 1 John 4 7 to 11 has this passage. In fact, the whole, the whole book of 1 John is just this picture of love and love in action. But this particular passage says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. Not God does love. God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And this core thing, you know, this is why I believe there's this, this atmosphere surrounding Christmas that is about love. It's about kindness. It's about caring. It's about, you know, why do we give gifts to one another? Why do we celebrate? Why do we have this, this sense of goodwill towards men? Why do we believe that there should be an atmosphere shift even if there isn't? It's because, you know, people didn't, we, we are now in a post-Christian society, but we didn't used to be. And there used to be an understanding of the love of God, the real truth about Christmas. And there was an understanding that that love that was poured out for us, we get to receive it and we get to live out of it. So we, we basically, um, we embody what it is God is pouring out and it comes out of us. We know this, we have this proof, we have, have um, seen in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent why do we send greeting cards? Why do we give gifts? Because in this love, we know somehow there's something about love that it has to be expressed. It, in order for love to be real, it, it has to be expressed in some way. The interesting thing is, though, it also has to be received. There, there has to be a, a place for that to go. And so God so loved us, and so we should also love one another. But we're going to walk through three just 
things about this love that I think is going to help us today. And I believe, you know, there's a, a place in Christianity. I know um, from growing up in the church, growing up in faith, that it's possible to be a believer, to love God, to uh, believe the promises, to stand on the word, to pray for people, to, you know, operate as a fully functioning, fully loving Jesus believer, but struggle with being loved myself. And as long as we struggle with that spot, the, the, we, we feel like we need, to, we need to earn it somehow. We need to do something. We feel better. We feel more lovable if we're doing the right stuff. As long as we're doing that, it's impossible for us to love well. It's impossible for us to worship properly. It's impossible for us to pray in faith because we actually think that the ability of God to answer our prayers is going to be somehow connected to the status of our lives right now. And love transcends all of this. And this is liberty. So number one, this is the point. God loves us. He just does. Why? He just does. We're not worthy of love. He's made us worthy. We can receive it. But the love he offers is because he is love and he chooses to love us. That, that basic fact, when we get it, and I mean really get it, something changes, not just in how we encounter God, but in how we encounter other people. Again, 1 John 4, uh, 10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And some people have heard this, some people are not. So for those who um, maybe have been in church for a long time, we are revisiting some of the, the basic foundational scriptures of our faith because we have so many people that are encountering God for the first time right now that uh, it's worth making sure everybody understands that we're all on the same page. So you might not know that when the Bible talks about love, that there's different kinds of love. That there's different measures. There's the kind of, of love between uh, friends. There's the kind of love between lovers, between uh, spouses. And there's the kind of love that comes from God. And it's specifically called agape love. And agape love, and that's the word that's used every time God is talking about loving us. It literally, the, the definition is it's the highest form of love. It is universal, unconditional love. It transcends and persists, and here's the best part, regardless of circumstances. God's love, now how do we fathom that? How do we fathom? We all have people and situations in our life that when it gets a little bit ugly, it is hard to operate in love. It is, you know, you might be like, oh, I love you with the love of the Lord. No, you, you don't then because the love of the Lord transcends all circumstances. It actually is, it's the kind of love that goes, man, even though you're being a total jerk right now, I can see past it and I love you. I, even though you're in a difficult situation right now and things are spewing out, I can see past it and I can love you. It's this unconditional love. Unconditional love is this thing that we're wired to give and receive. We're, we're wired to want it. Unconditional love means I, I desperately want to be loved 
even when I know I'm being unlovable, or even when I feel I'm not worthy, or even when I feel like I've screwed up, we're, we're wired to want it. And one of the things that is, is uh, typical of it, um, boys might not relate to this so much, but fairy tales. Every princess story ever, you, you know, guys, you might relate to the knight in shining armor and whatever, but every princess story ever has in it some impossible situation, some reason why this shouldn't work out. Like he's the prince and I'm the commoner, the whole concept of Cinderella, right? She's just, you know, she's been through all these hard things and she's just a commoner and the prince comes and finds her and he sees her, you know, in her normal cleaning clothes and he loves her anyway because he's the one that saw beyond it and he, he brings her and he marries her and the wicked stepsisters disappear and it's wonderful and we, we, we crave this stuff. We crave, you know, the a little mermaid and she's she doesn't have legs and he does and that seems to be a problem and but we watch this because we're fascinated with the idea that he could love her even though but what if he finds out she doesn't normally have legs and but will he love her anyway and maybe he'll come to where she is and he'll love her in her state which has a bit of, yeah there we go a little kiss the girl going on right up <laughs> it's this thing that is the undercurrent of sleeping beauty you know she's tricked into you know drinking the stuff and there's this all these things that are coming against her and the prince finds her and she's sleeping she doesn't do anything but wait to be loved and love comes and finds her and brings her back to life we have this woven into our stories and it's actually the truth of the kingdom it's actually underneath it, somehow, somewhere, we know that we're not worthy. And yet we're begging for the prince to come and find us. We desperately want to be loved. Everybody, there was like such a radical fanfare. I'm old enough to have seen it twice, but I was very young the first time around. Prince Charles and Princess Diana, it was the wedding of hundreds of years i'm sure it was probably the first time it could be like internationally broadcast was the deal and princess diana you know diana spencer was just a regular person supposedly she also was connected but whatever supposedly a regular person and the prince came and met her and found her and didn't care that she was regular she he brought her into his life and he chose to marry her and she wore the biggest dress ever known to man that went on for days behind her we all copied it that's why our wedding pictures have large sleeves and stuff because that was the picture of a bride in all the 90s brides mind and whatever but there was something fascinating about somebody deserving something that they shouldn't have been able to have somebody getting something access to something we saw it again more recently with uh henry or uh Megan and Harry, yeah, Prince Harry, and he chose this girl who we all had seen on TV and on makeup commercials and clothing commercials, and she's going to be a princess, and again, biggest TV event of all time. Why do we care? They're just people. They're better looking people than most of us, but, um, you know, they're just people. Why is it on every magazine? Because there's something in us that loves the fairy tale. There's something in us. I'm just telling you, I believe the thing where the word tells us that eternity is hidden in our heart. We have cravings on the inside that God purposefully put there so that we would search for him.
so that we would hunt for him. There's things that we desire that are in there because they can only be met in him. That is his gift to us. And so this kind of unconditional love, this is this thing that we desire. And so interestingly enough, it turns out there have been all kinds of studies done about unconditional love. Psychologists are trying to sort it out uh, for a long time. Like the psychiatry um, has walked it down. Psychologists, therapists have walked it down. What's the deal with unconditional love? And so you can find studies about it all over the place. But interestingly, uh, there's one particular paper um, from Psychology Today. Rebecca Strong wrote about it. And she said, unconditional love requires us to know and accept a person's flaws and love them just the same. This is the definition. This is what they're looking for. Unconditional love requires us to know and accept a person's flaws and love them just the same. This is the love that God offers us. We tend to be like, I feel unlovable. I've screwed up this week. I'm not always so holy. I don't feel like I haven't been in my Bible very much. I haven't prayed. And so we hide from God. God gets it. He already knows. And he loves us just the same. Isn't that fascinating? And so interesting, I thought this was the even more interesting part. This kind of unconditional love, it is occasionally found in spouses. It's occasionally found in chosen relationships. It is most commonly found between a parent and a child. Isn't that interesting? Not, it's not always there. Some parents struggle with this, but it is most commonly found between a parent and a child. And it's this thing that instinctively a parent knows I know who you really are. I know you're acting out. I know you're sitting spread eagle, you know, in the doors of Superstore and they're closing and opening. And, but I know that I still have to take you home because you're my child. And even though I'm really annoyed right now, I love you anyway. And as a parent, you go, I, there's probably like, this kid is tired. This kid has been through a lot. This kid is, and we begin to empathize. When we have people in our lives that we love unconditionally, it's that thing on the inside of us that relates. We empathize, we sympathize with what they're going through. And so we give them a little latitude. We love them anyway. It's that thing when your spouse comes home from work and they're acting like troll of the year, you don't act back at them. You pause and you go, wow, it's evidently been a really tough day or a really tough season. And you bring them a cup of coffee or you know what? I'm going to make supper tonight or what? You give them the space they need. Why do you do that? It's the conscious choice to unconditionally love. I know that what is going on here is not pleasant, but I love you anyway. And so this is the kind of thing that we're looking for. So here's where it gets even more interesting. Um, Here's a quote about a a, um, study done by UCLA. According to the 2013 study conducted, unconditional love from a parent, now catch this. Parents, this this is maybe the key for your children. Unconditional love from a parent can make children not only emotionally happier, but also less anxious. It actually begins to stabilize them to resist anxiety. Conversely, children who received the least amount of unconditional love and affection showed higher measures across a number of health risks, including stress, cholesterol, and high blood pressure. So literally, now this is the science behind the spirituality. The science shows that when unconditional love is present, 
anxiety doesn't exist there. Why is that interesting? Well, 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. The Bible literally tells us that if you are operating in my love, anxiety won't live in you. If you are operating in my love, fear can't take root. If you are operating in my love, fear has to go. This is a game changer. This is a life-altering statement that, that we get to operate in. This understanding that if the love of God is present, fear and anxiety don't function. It also gives us a clue into what we're seeing around us right now. Our society is saturated with anxiety. Our society is saturated in fear. Our society is saturated in different kinds of emotional pressures that the word tells us that the love of God will help alleviate. And so we need to come back to that place. Could it be, you know, we've, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, this past couple years, we have seen, I mean, our, our uh, provincial government has poured millions of dollars, increased millions of dollars into mental health issues in this past year, which is very good. Very good that they're doing that. But because they're seeing such a rise in mental health issues, so there's been this huge increase in anxiety, fear, depression, suicide, which are all part of the same package. There's been this rise in it, but there also has been a shift out of unconditional love. And so even on a natural level, if you felt like you had unconditional love with friends or family members or coworkers or a spouse or whatever, and the pressures of this season have caused relationships to break down. And, and quite frankly, I think it's, you know, the enemy has capitalized on the situation that we're in and has proven the point, pushed the point. And so, you know, you don't, you don't socialize with these kind of people. You don't get together with these kind of people. You shouldn't have these people at your house. You shouldn't do this. And, and, and people believe this and some people believe that. And we're suddenly found out we're not on the same page. And what we thought was an unconditional love has suddenly become a deal breaker and I don't want to talk to you anymore. And when that happens, it opens the door for fear to rise, right? This is the shift. So fear begins to rise, anxiety begins to rise, and we're seeing, I believe, society-wide, the side effect of a loss of love. And so really, what we just find out is that people are incapable of doing it super well, but God is always faithful. His love for us never, ever, ever changes. So even if everybody you know has turned their back on you this year, the love of God is there for you. It is utterly unconditional, no matter what, no matter what your political position, no matter what your financial situation, no matter what your health situation, God's love for you is utterly unconditional. If we can recognize this, we can be healed. If we don't, if we don't receive it, we will always struggle with measures of fear, anxiety, pain, panic, things. And I'm not saying that this is the only reason, but it's one of the major ones when a society shifts in a certain direction. And the name of the game, the number one thing we're fighting is anxiety. It has to ask us the questions. It has to stir up something. And I believe it is the loss of love. I think it's super interesting that God's given us a scriptural foundation for this. He offers it freely, unconditionally, undeservedly. We have the invitation. We have to receive it. This is one of the things I want to leave with you today. And I, I believe that 
everybody needs to spend a little time meditating on it. Do I feel more lovable when I'm doing things right? Do I feel more worthy of being loved when I feel spiritually okay? Do I feel like I can't answer the call of God upon my life until I get some of my junk together? Do I feel like I can't actually experience a prophetic word. I can't experience the gifts of the spirit. I can't, if something, if I don't have a manifestation of something and everybody else around me is, is it because I screwed up? These are very good questions, honestly. Because our human nature has experienced and bumped into the, the, the boundary lines with family members, with friends, with coworkers. We've all bumped into somebody that we thought loved us unconditionally and it turned out to not be the case. And so we internalize that as that's how love works. If I let you down, at some point, I'm gonna pay for it. Peter, not only did he fail, not only did he deny Christ, Jesus knew it ahead of time and told him he was gonna and prayed for him, went out of his way after he rose from the dead to restore him because he loved him that much. Everything about the Bible shows that God's love is unconditional. Are there consequences for sin? Yes. Are there things that open and close doors? Yes. But ultimately that core value of I'm loved no matter what is what allows us to live on the inside. Is what allows us to operate out of that love. So here's the big issue though. Because ultimately we all sense that there's a, a bit of a glitch to that. Number two, what if the flaw is fatal. My little clock is not on upstairs, so I'm gonna, I can all see it. And we don't wanna still be here when the kids' concert starts. <laughs> there we go. What if the flaw is fatal? So the definition of that perfect love again, agape in its highest form is unconditional love that transcends and persists regardless of circumstances. That's that. The definition in the natural is Love, unconditional love requires us to know and accept a person's flaws and love them just the same. But what if that flaw is fatal? So in all of our lives, we've all encountered a person, a situation, um, maybe it's a marriage that's fallen apart, there's been something happened, and it's like, I have offered you unconditional life, love, but this particular situation, this is what we would call a fatal flaw. This I, I refuse to deal with from now on. I cannot, I cannot deal with this. This is, this is my deal breaker. And we've all had that. It doesn't mean that everybody that we choose to love unconditionally, we carry in our hearts forever because we as humans get that choice. So we can decide at some point, that's my deal breaker. Here's the thing. So this unconditional love of God actually has a deal breaker. We read before 1 John 4.10, he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, which is such a weird word, but this is what it says in the Amplified. He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, that is the atoning sacrifice and the satisfying offering for our sins, fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin and wrath. 
We actually have what we might call a fatal flaw, and we fall short of him in every way because we sin. Now, this is a word. Sin is like a word that if you're not a church person, it's a weird word. It's like, a, what, like, what does that even mean? Well, the breakdown of the word sin, literally, it's not that scary. It means to fail, it means to miss the goal, and it means failure to meet the mark. So there's this standard that God sets in order for us to be in relationship with him. In the Garden of Eden, very front of the book, Genesis kind of one to three, at the very beginning, Jesus created, uh, spoke, and the spirit was hovering. There was this move of God that created the earth, created mankind. And in that moment, there was a relationship between God and man. And it says that God came and he walked in the garden with Eve, uh, Adam, and there was this conversation that was happening, and they knew God. Sin happened. They missed the mark. They failed to meet the qualifications of, of being in that relationship. And the simple thing is, it wasn't like, I want you to do stuff. It was that God is altogether holy. He is altogether pure. He is altogether righteous. He just doesn't, there is no sin in him. There's no wrong in him. And so when Adam and Eve sinned, they missed the mark. They chose to essentially believe that God was lying to them and they ate the fruit. The serpent came and he says, oh no, that's not true. That's God, God's trying to withhold from you. So in their hearts, they decided that God wasn't who they said he said he was and they sinned and they stepped away from that mark. And in that moment, sin or the missing of the mark entered the earth. And we all ever since have been born into it. So it's literally like if we go back to that, uh, that picture of the, the fairy tale, the story of the prince and the princess or whatever, it, it just is that we're born into a lesser than state because that we've, we've missed the mark. And so all of humanity is less than. All of humanity struggles with the holiness of God, the pureness of God. The Bible tells us if anyone says they're without sin, they're a liar. We might think we're pretty good people, but we know we're not purely holy. We know that we struggle with different things, different issues, different stuff. And so God in his love knew that in his unconditional love, he doesn't say, okay, then I'm just going to accept you anyway. His unconditional love says, I see that I love you anyway, and I'm going to pay the price so that you can come back in. I'm going to give the, the offering. I'm going to pay the price. That's why we really can't talk about the manger without talking about the cross. It's a package deal. It goes right together. So if we think about that, it's like you love your kids unconditionally. Hopefully, as a parent, you love them unconditionally. They do something terrible, you know, and they, they've got they've got a fine to pay. They've got prison time to, to do. They've got whatever. It's you as a parent saying, I love you so much that I will pay the price for you. I don't, I don't condone what you did. I don't agree with what you did. I don't think it's okay, but I love you so much. I will go to prison for you. I will pay the fine for you. I will do the unthinkable, not because I agree with what you did, but because I want relationship with you more. I can't bear the thought of you being in prison for the rest of your life and I can't see you. 
I need this relationship. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And this is what this kind of love is, is that God bypasses the, the cost by paying for it himself. Why this matters is firstly because we all need to receive Christ. We all need to receive this gift, this unconditional love that we all crave. We have to understand it was costly. It doesn't just exist. It exists and it was costly. So we receive it. But secondly, because this is what it is, we also know that we never personally could pay the price. I mean, I don't think I've killed anybody. Um, I'm pretty sure I have stolen a pack of gum when I was a kid. You know, I know, I know. I got, I got some stuff. I'm, but you know what? The things that I have done, which are, they're all equal in God's eyes, I could never pay for. I could never pay for it. And the sooner I just grasp that and go, wow, he paid it for me. How can I not love him unconditionally back? How, 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 can I, how, can I, like, how can I not? How stupid would it be for me to try and earn my way back into his good graces? This gift of love, it's, I believe, why the angels came to the shepherds and why, why they, they came and, and it was the kings from another land. It was people who were, like, the least likely to hear about the love and the gift of God that came. This is what this kind of love is. He can't and won't lower his standards, but he paid the standard price so that we could be there. Romans 5, 6 to 8 says, while we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one even die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. There might be some today, maybe you're even watching online, maybe you're in the house, but you've been delaying your yes to God because you just feel like you need to get some stuff together first. While we are still sinners, he paid so while we're still sinners, we need to say yes. It's, it's the now moment that we're in. 1 John 4, 19 says we love him because he first loved us. We have to receive it or we're incapable of offering it back. We have to receive it or we're incapable of authentic worship. We have to receive it or we're incapable of allowing that love to actually heal our hearts. This year, I believe every single one of us received some kind of a heart wound. Didn't we? Some, many. Some, your heart feels like a sieve. You know, it's like whatever's going on in there is just squoosh, squoosh, squoosh. It's been, it's been so hard on so many levels. Do you know the love of God can come in and just heal that spot? That unconditional love, it's, some, it's that thing that when a child feels unconditional love, they just relax into it. And they relax into being. There's this um, series of videos that I get all the time because I click on them, so they keep coming up. But um, 
rescue animals. Does anybody watch the rescue animal videos? And it's always like some scrawny little dog that's like ears and a tail and bones in the middle. And they're like shaking, huddling somewhere. And you watch as, as these people who this is their life calling come and they bait them. You know, and it's cereal, and it's like whatever soft stuff, and they finally get them to trust them, and then they'll show them, you know, in a, in a cage somewhere, you know, and the vet's checking them over, and they're shaking, and they don't trust anybody, and they're just so scared, and they're going to die in a minute because they're so skinny, and, and there's this thing that happens as you watch it, and the more they get food, and the more they get kindness, and the more they get unconditional love, they start to relax and they start to eat a little more and they start to let somebody pet them and they start to be led on a leash and they, they eventually get to be so that they can be in a family, they can be adopted into a family because they are safe now, they're living their best life. And usually the before and after pictures look nothing the same. It's like, I don't think that's the same dog at all. I mean, they, they have a different color of hair and everything, but they were so sick and so broken before that they're, they've become just a shadow of themselves. And now that they're who they really were meant to be, this is, you see the fullness of it. Do you know that God's looking at us that way? Most of us at some point, and some of us this year, it's felt like that. You're like this little shaking dog somewhere because you have been smacked so many times in so many ways. You have had losses. You have had struggles. There's been things that you're dealing with in your own mind, in your own marriage, in your own family that you didn't know was there, and it's there. And so many of us, the temptation is to turtle and huddle, and we're just sitting there like shaking a shadow of ourselves but the love of God, if we will receive it, allows us to relax a little bit, allows us to breathe a little bit, allows us to become who he's made us to be in the first place, who he's always said we are, who he's always known we are. And then we get to be part of something bigger. We get to live out the love then. We get to live in that place where love is seen around us, where we can actually live love because we've experienced love. I'm just saying this year, for those who are saying, I cannot wait for Christmas to be over, pause in his presence and let the love do its work. It is worth it. We have to let love have its perfect work. So here's the final thing. God's agape love or unconditional love moves through us. And so how do the people around us experience God's love? Rarely is it a lightning bolt from heaven or this, this random vision or whatever. It happens occasionally, but they tend to see it when we're living it. So as we receive love and love transforms us and we, we experience the fact that I'm not earning it, so it's not about how good I am or how right I'm getting things, but I'm just saying, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Father, for pouring it out. At the end of the day, whatever has gone on, I just have to live in that love. I want to live out of that love. And the people around us see something that's been what they've been craving all along. This unconditional love, male, female, young, old. There are people who are 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old that have never experienced unconditional love. Today's a really good day. We never, never should go a lifetime without experiencing unconditional love. So it comes through us. It should bear fruit 
the, the Bible tells us that there's, uh, you know, when the, the young lawyer came to Jesus and asked, you know, what's the most important rules and laws and whatever, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These two things, everything else hangs on it. If you've got this, the rest is in place. But we love God because he first loved us. So in order for us to do this, we receive the love of God, then I love God back with all my heart, all my mind, all my strength, not just Sundays, every day, every moment, because he's there with me. I love him incredibly when I'm crying. I love him when I'm laughing. I love him in the sweet moments. I love him in the sour moments. I love him always because that unconditional love is what sustains me. And so that love that has paid the price so I have relationship with God, I now then love my neighbor as myself. I have nothing to give if I don't love myself. How do I love myself if I'm a dirtbag? It's only after I received the love that he gave me unconditionally and I go, well, I don't know what you saw in me, but thank you so much. And I begin to live out of that love and I move from being that skanky dog to being that, you know, animal that can give and receive love that is fully who I've been designed to be. It's this package. You see what I'm saying? It's when we say, well, I need to love unconditionally. If we're not drawing it from the right source, we got nothing. It is just a matter of time before conditionally hits and we can't do it. And so we have this thing that, that God calls us to pull on him, live back to him and live outwards. Um, interestingly, these same quotes about unconditional love that just society does. Here's one from a professor, uh, Mario Beauregard. He says, the unconditional love extended to others without exception is considered to be one of the highest expressions of spirituality. This is just a, the regular guy, university professor. Unconditional love extended to others without exception is considered to be one of the highest expressions of spirituality. Why? It's how we're designed. Unconditional love is what we are made for. To receive it, to give it, to flow in it, to operate in it. What would the world look like if instead of spewing fear everywhere, love was actually present? What would it look like if even the Christians decided to live out of unconditional love? What would happen if, if people in churches and people in small groups and home groups, people who say they love Jesus actually looked like it? And that unconditional love, I know you're angry at me right now. I know you're disappointed in me right now, but I love you unconditionally. Let, let's, let's move past this. Let's dig into it. What if we didn't say, you know what? I have had enough. I'm done with you. What if we moved beyond that? How would the world change? See, the first church, we've just finished the book of Acts with our Tuesday night Bible study. Their first church, they experienced the fullness of love expressed through them because they knew it. First generation. They were the ones who saw Jesus crucified or were first, first uh, generation uh, participants of it. They knew, here's a man who came and went like a lamb to the slaughter, didn't even open his mouth. Why? For love. And when he came back to life and he came and talked to us, he said that he was pouring this same life into us, that the Holy Spirit would come upon us, that we would become witnesses to him, that when people saw us, heard us, experienced us, they would experience him and they would experience that love, that sacrifice, that eternal relationship. When they experienced us, they experienced him. 
what if the church lives that way? What if Christmas is supposed to look like that? What if it's not about, man, I just need to get these cards out? What if it's about, I am going to sow into unconditional love? I'm going to put a draw on love. I'm going to spend some extra minutes in every day receiving that love, relishing that love, delighting in that love. I'm going to spend some minutes just worshiping him and loving him back. And then I'm about to go love my neighbor as myself. Something is going to come out of me in this season. 1 John 3, 16, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The same love that we're talking about this morning, that we receive, that we operate in, that we, you know, it's undeserved, it's unmerited. We receive it, and then we do the same thing. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that like, a, like pausing on that? If you're struggling with anxiety, you're struggling with fear, you're struggling with, you know, that push against your mind, I want to challenge you today. I mean, I've had pockets of it even this year as well. Just to be honest, where there's just little windows of it. It's like, how much more of this can we take? You know, whatever. And you start to, you know, feel this little thing. And when I pause on it, I realize that I actually just haven't spent enough time in the relationship with him. Like I've been so worried about dealing with the business of life that I forgot to just be with him. And when I do, it all just, okay, here we go. And we're, we're good to go for, for more. We're good to minister more. And so this is the stuff that God's calling us into in this season. Romans 5, 5 tells us that the love of God has been poured out or shed abroad in our hearts and it constrains us, it compels us. This love, this thing has been given to us so that we can live it out. And so when we see the verse here, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. There's this thing that the Holy Spirit wants to equip, this thing that's available to us, but we have to say yes. We have to relax into it. We have to receive it. So looking around your life, going into this Christmas week, I know that it's a, it's a strange one again. And I know that there's been loss. And I know that there's hard things. I know that there's family dynamics and all kinds of stuff. And what if someone you love doesn't deserve it? Neither did you. What if somebody is antagonistic towards you? Well, the Bible describes us as we were enemies of God. So, so were you. What if someone won't reciprocate? God wasn't guaranteed your response either. But he poured out his love. He offers it. And he waits for the yes. He waits for somebody to respond. He waits for somebody to say thank you. He waits for somebody to open up their hearts and receive. So I want to challenge us this Christmas. I, I believe that God's taking us deeper than we've ever been in some of these topics. The joy that is sown in tears that we reap. The, the peace that is, is nothing missing, nothing broken. Whatever else is wrong, I'm complete in him. I'm whole in him. Right? The hope that is anchored beyond the veil that's outside of this lifetime. That, that when we're seeing death, we're seeing things happen all around us. You know, and it, it, it's just everywhere. If we don't have hope, we don't have joy, we don't have peace, and we don't have love, we don't have a life worth living. 
So God's inviting us into this, and I'm going to have the worship team come, and I just want to pray over us regarding this today. I believe that this is going to be a healing kind of week for many, and a healing kind of day for many. But specifically, if you haven't known Jesus, you haven't said yes to him, then today's a good day to do it, or you need to come back to him. And it's been a halfways kind of relationship. You know, you maybe served him well before, but you've, you've kind of walked away. Usually it has to do with some place of disappointment, either that you have in others or yourself, or some place where you feel like God failed you. I want to encourage you today that he can't. So he didn't. He can't fail. His love, though, is there unconditionally for us. And so when we, we're praying and we're, we're, you know, wishing people Merry Christmas, I, you know, pray you have a great Christmas. Legit this year, I'm, I'm hopeful that everybody is going to be with somebody and you've got, you know, I mean, family should be there. We don't want anybody to be alone. But even if nothing else is right, if you know the love of God, it's perfect. It's the best Christmas ever. If you know his love, we sang the song earlier, this reckless love, there's, there's no mountain you won't climb up. There's no wall you won't break through. I forget how all the words go. There's these things that sounds super poetic and, you know, it's like, well, that's, that's nice. The reason the song is called Reckless Love is because it's completely irrational for God to love us that way. It's what the rest of us would call reckless. To, to love without boundaries, without borders, to love without guarantee of return, to love the unlovable, to love beyond that state of affection. It's unreasonable. It's reckless to open your heart like that. And yet, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Isn't that amazing? This morning, if you need to make that decision for Christ, I'm just gonna invite you right now. If you just stand where you are, and we're gonna pray together. anywhere in the building. If you're online, just type it in if you can. We want to pray with you, but if you need to make that decision today, would you just stand? Don't worry about who's looking. It doesn't really matter. And if you need to make that recommitment today, would you stand? I know some have been struggling. Maybe you need to make that recommitment to the Lord today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm just going to believe today that we've all made that first decision. But if you need a next level encounter with love today, there's something in your heart that needs to be healed. Would you stand right now? Yeah. You just need that extra revelation of love. You need that encounter with love today. You need something healed up. You need something restored. Yeah. And again, online, if you're watching, just stand where you are. We're just responding to the Lord. We're saying yes to the love. We're opening our hearts to receive that love at that level. And it's nobody else's business what it is, but you've been hurt this year. You've had an issue. You've had a struggle. 
and you need to experience the love. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for that love today, God. Thank you, Lord. Okay, and let's all stand together in agreement with these who are standing. Thank you, God. And I'm just going to pray over you. Those that stood by faith, I want you to just grab today as I pray that this is a, this is a breakthrough moment. The enemy lies to us. He tells us that we are unlovable, that God couldn't possibly forgive that. God couldn't possibly love that. Or we've been wounded by other people and accusations and things that have come. And that hurt in our heart has almost overruled what God has said about us. And so this morning, just received by faith that healing, that love that's going to drive out all fear. It's going to change things for you today. And so God, we come before you. And we thank you for this unexplainable love. Lord, this thing that we have trouble putting words on, but we, we who have known it, we're so very grateful for your love. We're so grateful that you see past the deficiencies. We're so glad that you see past the places where we mess up and where we fall short. Lord, that you, where there was a price to pay, you paid it for us, God. Where sin was present, where we've fallen short, we missed the mark, you paid the price for us so that we could have this relationship. And right now, for each one that stood today, God, I pray a, a supernatural release of love over their hearts and minds right now in Jesus' name. The kind of thing that blows off every lie every accusation that heals every wound, every heart that is, is uh, torn or tattered in any way. God, would you wash over them right now with your love and supernaturally just begin to restore what has been missing. God, where there's been a hardness, where there's been a closeness, God, even just due to the issues of life, right now we invite you. Lord, even as they stood, it's their act of faith, their act of obedience, and so we agree together for heart healing today in Jesus name Lord next level release that in the days and the weeks and the months to come they would be overcome by this lavish love of God God that sees past the basics and moves right to the core of who you've made us to be Lord that they would experience the love that gives them the confidence to rise up and live out love Lord I pray that it would bring healing in marriages it would bring healing in families it would bring healing healing in, in uh, social state, uh, social relationships, God. Lord, we pray for that supernatural love to change everything. And God, for all of us today, oh, Lord, would, would you just baptize us in your love today? Just baptize us in your love today, God. We don't want to think about it. We want to just know it. Lord, we know that when we, when we find our mate and people ask, how did you know he was the one? How did she know? You know, she was the one. We just know it. God, that we would just know that love, that there would be a sense on the inside that's fresh and new and saturated in your love. God, that you would teach us how to love you in return. 
that we would love you because you first loved us. And God, most especially, that we would live out that love as you've left us here on the earth to be testimonies to you. Lord, that love would be evident on our lives, that you would enable us, equip us, empower us, Lord, to live unconditional love. Lord, where family relationships have been strained, social relationships have been strained, God, we speak your healing in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask you to show us how to, how to demonstrate unconditional love, how to live in it. Lord, even if it's not reciprocated, God, that we would live love, that love would be present in everything we say and do. And Lord, I pray that this Christmas season, there would be a shift and a change on the inside of us, that love would be next level for us. God, we pray that as we finish this year, that the love that takes residence in our hearts would birth next year. Lord, that next year would be known to be one that is full of your love, unconditional, unexplainable, undeserved, but glorious. And today we just say thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at Victory Church GP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.